Hey y'all, welcome to episode number two of season four, Let's Talk Life Excel. Today we're going to be talking, um, still in our Gold Digger series, and that's G-O-A-L, goals, for everybody out there, you know, really digging in, doing the work to take that it takes to really accomplish the goals that you have for yourself. This series is all about the doing and the being all combined in one, um, you know, just in reflection from like 2020 and, you know, years before that, really just getting down to the, the core of it's not really all about the doing, because some of us are like, oh, I got goals and here are my 20 goals. But it's really about the being. Who are you going to become at the end of the achieving of all of these things you have set out? Because the being who you become and who you are is just as important as the route you're trying to take to get to where you're going. So I want to introduce my guest today. I'm so excited, longtime partner in crime here. We're all about attacking goals. We've been doing this together for a while now. Andrew Landry, will you please introduce yourself? Good afternoon. Hi, this is Andrew Landry, uh, founder of Where Men Hurt. Uh, excited to be here and excited to give some good information. Now, tell us about your platform and how you came to the place where you say, you know what? I want a place where men can safely express the things that they're going through. Like, what was that place in your life, Your, which I would have to say ultimately became your why? Yeah, I think uh, for me, I, you know, my first book that I wrote called Overcoming the Addiction That No One Has. Uh, in the process of writing the book, one of the things that God revealed to me was that men just really don't have a safe place to talk about real life issues. So out of that book was birth where men hurt. And what where men hurt does is that uh, we have a platform zoom right now, but prior to the COVID we were meeting at a barbershop in humble and we would sit, you know, kind of in a circle and we would just kind of air out what was going on in our lives talking about taboo subjects, you know, issues that men really don't talk about. And so that's where Word Men Hurt came out of. And, you know, we do annual conferences and, and we meet weekly right now on Zoom. So it's been a great platform and some great healing and transparency has taken place. Now you say taboo topics. Now that caught my attention. What were some of the topics that you would consider taboo? Well, uh, you know, the book that I wrote was, it talks about my overcoming sex addiction. So you know, typically you don't hear uh, the conversation about sex addiction. Uh, we talk about domestic violence. We talk about, you know, alcoholism. We talk about anger. We talk about parenting. You know, what does it look like to be a good father? What does it look like to be a good role model? So we talk about all those issues that we may not uh, be comfortable talking about maybe to our spouse or, you know, to our pastor or, or spiritual advisor. You know, it gives us an opportunity to really dive into some real uh, topics with real practical information that allows men to be transparent. And I think that's um, a place where a lot of growth happens when you really talk about the practicality of things, when you really make um, the, the path plain and simple, then it becomes easier to take those advice, that advice, those, you know, uh, pra best practices and really apply it. Sometimes life can get complicated. So having a complicated solution isn't going to be very beneficial. And I, I love the fact that you have a place where men can talk because women, we don't have a problem. Yeah, <laughs> we we'll call up a girlfriend real quick and be like, "Girl, let let me tell you." If it start with "Let me tell you," then that's good. She huh? knows she about to be on that phone for another <laughs> 30, 45 minutes. Yeah, and you know it's going to be a conversation where both of them are most likely going to piggyback on each other and say, "You know what? Well, something like this happened to me, and let me share with that about you." What was the place where you said, "You know what?" I need this to be a part of my service to others. Where were you at in your life where you say, you know what, this is what I want to do to um, really invoke servant leadership? You know, I think after I wrote the book, uh, you know, my goal was never to do this, right? I didn't have this in mind. Uh, but after I wrote the book and as God started revealing things to me, one of the things that 
that even from the, the theme scripture of my book comes from Revelations 12 and 11 and where it talks about they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And so one of the things that in the process of, of writing, it was that as Christians, we know that the blood always works. The issue to where people are missing the, the healing and is be the transparency part, you know, the testimony part. And so I wanted to be an open book uh, because being an open book freed me. And so I, I know with men, relational things are very important. So if we could build relationships, then we can get men to be able to to express themselves and be transparent. And so at the time I was, you know, I was already out of my sexual addiction. You know, I was just at a place where now I'm trying to be impactful with my story. And so that's what that's how it happened. Now, do you feel what is the, the most challenging aspect to having a platform where men can be vulnerable? Is it just be, them being comfortable enough to really be vulnerable or is it uh, getting the story out of them so that you can get a solution to them? What do you feel like um, is some of the are some of the challenges? I think the primary challenge that we have is getting men to show up. Right. So, you know, my core group is about 12 on the call. We have between, you know, say 12 and 20 that show up consistently. The issue is not within the group, the transparency part. So there, there are guys that, you know, first time on there and they, you know, they feel the level of comfort. And so then they can come on and they can tell their story or whatever it is that they're dealing with. One of the things I always open up with is that it's a safe place, right? So uh, after telling my story, then, then they can see that this place is comfortable for them. And so I usually don't have a lot of issue with men opening up. It just depends on who's in the space at that time. Gotcha. Now, today's topic is my why. And man, life is unpredictable. As much as we have as, as much vision as we can have, as creative as we could be, um, detail oriented, some of us have the next two months outlined in different colors for their planners. You know, pink is for when I'm supposed to go here and yellow is when I'm supposed to call this person. Even in our best efforts to really stick to the assignments that we've been given or called to do in life, having a solid foundation of why you're doing something is very important. Have Has life ever challenged your why before? Oh, absolutely. All the time. I mean, especially in this, this arena that I'm in now, because, you know, there's a, you know, there's a certain, uh, stigma that brings with, you know, with my story, right? You know, people look at you funny, you know, people, you know, whispering behind your back or, you know, you, you know, you're in a place where uh, maybe somebody that you, well, I'll say me personally, you know, maybe I'm in a place, you know, in a Walmart and there was somebody that I cheated with and, and they're there with their spouse, right? So you, you have those type of uh, things that kind of are attached to your history, and so then it always question, you know, there's always that that question or that kind of that doubt. Should I be doing this? You know, or, you know, is putting it out there the, the wisest thing to do? You know, and then I you know, also have to think about, you know, with my wife. So there comes a, a place where she's affected by those things, too. You know how people see me, you know, maybe how people see her. And so I have to be mindful of of what I put out so that I'm protecting her, but at the same time being open and honest so that people can be healed. Yeah. Cause there you can't, I feel like the, the best bridge between myself and another person is definitely transparency because if people, you know, that whole saying fake it till you make it, I really despise that saying because if I'm faking something, I'm not making it. Right. I'm just just kind of regurgitating something that I probably saw someone else do that it worked for them. So I'm just going to act like that's working for me or I'm going to portray myself in a in a fashion that I have not matured to or arrived at. So if you are in a place and, you know, your reach is only your community, 
your friends, then that's your reach. Talk to those people like you talking to millions of people. Because I know we're in this culture where you're not great if you don't have a million plus subscribers or what you're doing is is ineffective if only 20 people hear it. But I just, that just, to be honest, it just get on my nerves. No, I definitely understand. Uh, one of the things that, you know, that I found, you know, obviously the culture tells us that the more people you can reach, the the better you are, the more successful you are. You know, everybody wants to be Steve Harvey or Charlemagne the God or, you know, you want to be those people. Or you want to be in the same category as those people. But one of the things that you said is really key is is reaching those that you have access to. Because I have access to some people that Steve Harvey or Charlemagne doesn't have access to. I can make an impact on those people's lives more than somebody that they don't know or somebody that they're watching from afar off. And so I think it's vitally important for us to be able to touch those people that are connected to us in the immediate realm. And then the, you know, the easiest part about it is it grows organically if it's true. Right. So, yes. so I can reach, I can reach my homeboy and, and if it's organic, then he'll reach his homeboy and then his homeboy. And so then it kind of grows and spreads to this, this, you know, wide thing. I like what you said about being organic because people, people know when you faking it and then they're immediately turned off. Like if I meet you and you giving me all kinds of fake vibes, I'm, it's nothing you're going to be able to say to me that's going to change my trajectory. So if I'm going on this path and you're trying to tell me to go over here and do this, I'm like, well, you can't even be real with me about, you know, this particular spot. What make you think that I'm going to trust you to pivot? Because what you're essentially doing, uh, Andrew, is helping people pivot. You're giving them the skills to say, you know, this is or was your reality, right? But this is an alternate way to get to the same place you're trying to go. So if you've been in an abusive situation, because men can be abused too. Absolutely. Emotionally, I even think men are most commonly abused financially because we are some of our general notion, the way we've been raised is he's supposed to pay for it all. He's supposed to provide it all, which may work in certain situations. But when you just naturally just expect that without having anything to bring to the table to, to offer, I mean, it becomes a one sided situation. And, I, you know, I was in this um, this group listening to men talk about how they're just always just held to the stake about being accountable for everybody and the pressure that that puts on them. Now, I'm not saying that men shouldn't provide because, you know, the type of, you know, relationship I like is where it's equal provision. He he's providing. I'm providing. Now, what we provide kind of it. It may balance off. You might provide nurturing one time. I might be the nurturer. It might be financially for me. It might be financially for you because as life changes, your roles may change. No, I, how, do you, how do you feel about that when it comes to men just being in a position where they may be in an abusive situation? No, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. I think that there has to be a balance, right? So for me, um, you know, a big struggle for me is I I was in that era where the men took care of the house. You know, you pay the bills, make sure the grass is cut, take out the trash. And I think culturally, uh, that's kind of where where our group was. And so I can tell you for me personally, um, you know, I paid all the bills at the house up until this year and my wife started chipping in. Well, it was tough for me because I'm used to that. And one of the things that, that as I was going through my, my therapy sessions, one of the things that I found out is that is that it was a level of pride that kept me from wanting to include her. Now, uh, my wife's a, a licensed professional counselor and she does really well in her business. And so her helping me didn't make me a failure. And so I was looking at if I got to depend on her to help, then I was failing. And so I think it becomes it becomes a, a maturation process to realize that, hey, we're in this thing together. 
And so we've been married. It'll be eight years Tuesday. And and so for for seven years, I took care of everything where she could build her business and do everything that she needed to do to get where she was. And so now that business for me kind of started turn, taking a downward trend. Now she's able to step in because of the, the foundation that was set before. So I think it's vitally important for, for us as men to really step back and look at it. And to answer your question about the, um, the position, I think it puts men in a position of uh, what I would call false, false humility. I think that's where we really struggle at because we don't have it all together and we think we do. Yeah, I agree. We were talking about in a one of these groups, um, ego, right? You can have an overinflated ego or you can have, you know, you can operate in you know, false humbleness. You know, you can say, you know what? I got it all. I'm, you know, all that in a bag of chips. I'm from that area, y'all. I'm from the 90s. It's all that in a bag of chips. And it was you popped your fingers in a Z pattern. Boom, boom, boom. Right. But, you know, really being able to say, you know what, I'm in a, I'm, I'm in this place. This is where I am. This is where I am financially right now. This is where I am in my goals or this is where I'm at in my job. You know, I have not fully arrived and that's OK because it's part of the journey. And I love what you said about balance. It's all about balance and what you actually want from your life. And when it comes to the relational aspect, um, what do you want out of your relationship? Some people want more of a traditional setting where the man pays all the bills and it really has nothing to do with his ego. That's just both people were OK with that. They may have grown up that way and they're fine with it continuing in their relationship. Some people now you have in more, I would have to say more modern times or since we became, you know, the culture of more single parenting, you, you, you may navigate to a more equal type relationship where both people, you may split the bills 50, 50. Right. And I 100% agree with both types. If somebody won't pay all the bills, go ahead. I'm going to let him pay all these bills. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I, th I think the thing is, is that uh, communication is the real key. Right. So what works for me and my wife may not work for somebody else and their spouse. So I think a part of that uh, relationship is understanding where each person is and playing to those strengths of each person. And I think that's the balance, because when we when we first got married, uh -huh, you know, my thing was, you know, until we get a pink slip, you know, it ain't due. And she was like, no, nah, when they say due date, it's due. And so, you know, me making that shift has now allowed me to have great credit, right? As before, you know, I was paying bills whenever I wanted to. And my credit was, you know, costing me because now I'm paying higher interest rates and all of this. And so she's really good in that area of financing and budgeting. So I provide the, the finances and she takes care of making sure everything's paid on time. That's what works for us. And so I think the biggest thing is having that, having an understanding and communicating about what your strengths are and plan to those. I agree. And you said the big C word communication. And oftentimes when we think of the word communication, we think about what we're saying or communicating to another person. But in this episode, in a gold dig digging series, gold digger series is we're really I really want to focus on what you're saying to yourself. What kind of communication are you having with yourself? Um, what are you telling yourself you can have and what are you telling yourself you can do? What are you telling yourself you can become or, you know, what you already are? So when we talk about communication, I think clarifying your why, really getting down to the gist of why do you want to do what you want? How did that mature for you? How did you get to that point where you say, you know what, I need to make this a little bit more simpler in what I'm trying to do? Well, I think the, the primary thing is getting it, getting it wrote down. You know, I had to write it down because, you know, it goes through your mind and you think you're doing the right things. But there was nothing measurable. I think one of the things that we talked about before was smart goals. 
and making sure that they're specific, make sure they're measurable. So the the ability to put them down allowed me to be able to see if I'm a, uh, am I really obtaining these things or am I just flying by the seat of my pants, right? And in the flying by the seat of the pants thing will work for a little while because you're you don't have a direction, right? So there's no end game for that. So it may always look successful, but until you have an end point, you don't know where you are. And so it's vitally important, one, to be able to put those put those goals down on paper and take the steps to reach them in a timely fashion and making sure that they're realistic. And I think that's the thing that we miss out on when we start looking at the goal digging. You know, what? where am I missing it at? And the typically the missing is we haven't put it down. You know, the Bible says, write the vision, make it plain. And if we would just follow that simple concept, then we can allow ourselves to start working toward the vision that we're looking for. I totally agree, man. You hit on so many nuggets. And I was listening to my whole thing now is I don't, you know, I feel bad because I don't really have the time to sit down and read like an actual physical book. Um, there are a few books that I've been given uh, um, along the way that I've sat down and read. But I listen to a lot of content. So listening, you know, listening is good, too. So I was listening to a speaker and there's this concept of an, a finite game and an infinite game. And I like that you touched on the infinite, the infinite game. Um, a lot of us play the game to like, and when we say finite game, it's like if you play basketball, the finite game, the ending is somebody will win when the time runs out. There it is. You got overtime till somebody has. Am I getting that right? Somebody has the highest score by the time the game ends. That's, <laughs> that right? that's right. That's right. <laughs> so that's more of a finite or you're running a, a race. The race is over when you cross the finish line. Absolutely. But and we try to apply that same concept to our life's goal. And then you get to a place where. The time when we're looking at the time aspect is you may be running, you know, a longer race than you had intended, you know, or you may have gone into a couple of overtimes. Right. And you like, when is this, you know, you trying to, you know, you're thinking the success is when the game ends, but that's not the success. You have to shift that mindset to an infinite game because life is, I mean, it's going to give you curveballs is going to block some shots. You're going to have some hurdles. I mean, any kind of like, I guess, physical game, you could literally apply to the journey of life. And when you have more of an infinite mindset, then you know, okay, I'm in it for the long haul. So when it comes to more of an infinite mindset, how do you think that plays more for the benefit of actually achieving a goal? Well, I think what it does is it makes not only the goal realistic, but it gives you the picture of what it is that you have to accomplish. So if I'm looking to if I'm looking to build a city, you know, I can see one building and I can build a building and I can say, yay, I built the building. But the goal is to be able to have a whole city. So now I have accomplished one part of the big piece of the puzzle. And so I think we take those, if we'll take those, those wins and we keep calculating those wins, then eventually we'll have the big city. The problem that I see many times is that once we've built the house, we feel like we've done it all. And so now we can sit back, enjoy, look at the house, watch the house, you know, how the people come by the house. And then now we're not prepared to be able to go to the next step of building the next house and the next house in order to get the complete city. And I think that's where we really missed the ball at. Oh, I like that. Oh, my God. That that hit my soul, y'all. He said we only get to one part. And for some of us, some of us, some of you guys listening, you guys are going to reach and teach millions of people. But you can't stop. When you say, okay, you know what, my my videos are only getting 500 views, I'm going to stop here. You know, this is probably the far furthest I'm going to go. Or I only had 10 people sign up for an event and I had 200 seats available. 
So sometimes you can get to those places and it doesn't really look like what, because it's two sides of the same coin. It cannot look like the city you had in mind. You have this big vision. You can see the city. You can see all the people, all the building, every little detail. But when you're walking through the journey, the process of building one building at a time, you say, okay, you know what? I can only, with the resources I have, I can only build this little bitty building. Or my reach is a little bitty or it doesn't go far. And then you stop there and you don't really have that confidence to move forward. Or some of us have built a really nice building and you're like, yes, I did it. I done it. I done that. I did that. But in essence, you still got, you still have more to do. And it's, and then sometimes the more to do is more for you to actually become. Maybe you have to become someone who can listen in a room filled with people who know more than you do. Have you been ever been in a scenario where you were just surrounded by women or men that you could just glean from? Uh, yeah. So I have a really good friend of mine. Uh, he's a, a clinical psychological doctor of something or another. <laughs> Uh, so I don't want to get his title wrong, but, um, right. you know, he has a, he has a, uh, a men's group that he's a part of. And, uh, you know, on this panel of guys, there's eight doctors, you know, very educated, very knowledgeable men. And so I'm sitting here and I'm listening and it's like, wow, never thought of that. You know, this is amazing. And so I think the primary thing is if we can surround ourselves with those group of people, uh, those are the things that really help us to grow. You know, I was listening to what you were saying about the building one and saying, hey, I got it. It is sometimes that building one, uh, what it does is it teaches you that you didn't build right. Or this is something that you can do to build better or quicker or faster, whatever that is. So the, you're always becoming in your process to being able to get to the end goal. Uh, so, so maybe you build one and you built it in eight weeks, but now you figured out a way to build three in six weeks. So those are the processes that you learn along the way to being successful and also to be uh, to have your goals met in a timely fashion. Man, I love it because I can tell y'all it took over 10 years to get to this particular place in my business. Right. I started out. It was called Total Beauty Ladies Events. And nobody could ever pronounce it correctly. They were like, oh, you having another total ladies uh, event thing? And it would always end with thing. And I was never offended. I just corrected them. But over time, just in reflection, I kept thinking, if they don't even know what it's called, then do they really understand what I'm trying to do? Right. Because if now that I tell you, hey, I have a business, it's called Women Empowering Change. I don't even have to tell you what we're doing. You get a good idea of where we're going, what our purpose is. But I had to be able to sit back and reflection and say, OK, well, you know what? I built this business. It was successful, but it cost me a lot of money. So just as much money I made, I spent. Took five years doing that. Now, spending means, you know, giving. We gave. We were able to give a lot back. At that time, the uh, our aim was breast cancer awareness um, in honor of my grandmother who passed from cancer. And I had several members of my family pass from cancer. But my grandmother was very instrumental in me being the woman who wanted to have other women around. Because I watched her have her own ladies group. So when I started my business, we were like, well, what can we do? And I think that that is also another part of the why is figuring out what problem are you there to solve? Like what, you know, make it very clear. Do you want to help in health and wellness? Do you want to help in mental health and wellness? Do you want to help with the physical aspect of what do you want to teach? Do you want to sing? What do you want to sing? So sometimes we have to even kind of go deeper into the what so that we can do what the what is. You know, you can't do something you don't know what you're doing. So I love what you said. It taught me that first business or my first building, my first race, my first game, 
right? I had a de definitely a finite mentality. It was the end goal. It was this event, this one event, because we have four a month, four a year. I would go one event at a time when really I should have had an infinite mindset and say, you know what? We have the whole year. How can we continue to be a blessing throughout the year instead of focusing so hard on one event? I was all stressed out. So I like what you said. Now, I also like what you said, because it leads into the next key point that I really want to hit on. And, and it's really getting rid of the notion that how can I say it? Because somebody going to be mad listening. Like, how dare she say that? You know, come on. Faith is not denying your current reality. So if you're trying to build a city and you only have the resources to build one building at a time, it's not, it's not to get rid of the fact that you can only build with the resources that you have or if you failed in the past and you're trying to get back at it, but you still have some of those, that old disappointment or that not working out is not to say that that disappointment still does not exist, that you have to faith it away. I don't think we can fake it till we make it. And I don't think we can faith things that are reality away and out of our lives. So when I say faith is not denial, what does that trigger for you? Well, I was listening. I'm listening to what you're saying, and, and it's so vitally uh, important what you're saying. The thing about faith, and I think this is where we really miss it at. Faith is always about the future. Faith is never about right now. Faith is not when I see them building a bridge uh, and the bridge is complete. That's reality. The bridge is there. The faith is that when I get ready to cross over it, it's going to hold up. And so I think we have to not uh, mix uh, faith and reality in the same uh, era or energy, right? Faith is always about the expectation of what's going to happen. That's right. That's where we are. That's where we over spiritualize things, right? I think that's where we get to the place that, you know, is this a God thing or, you know, am I making the right decisions? It's the faith that makes it the right decision if you were called to do it, not the reality. Oh, I love that because you can be like, you know what? I've been called to speak, right? I, I know I'm supposed to speak and, you know, really share my life experiences because there are different cons components to being a public speaker. Some public speakers are teachers, so they have the, a, a blueprint of tips and strategies that they want to give to you so you can apply. Some speakers are more motivational. They get you revved up because they're, they're sharing real stories and they're letting you know, hey, you can do this because I did it and I know it's possible. And it's not to say that just because someone overcame a particular way or pattern that that pattern is going to fit or that way is going to fit your life, but is not denying your current reality. So if you are disappointed by the way things have matured, by the way things have been going, then it's okay to say, you know what, right now I'm a little disappointed, but my faith says that in time, as I continue to trust, and I think that's a big key too, is trust, um, because you can't have faith without trust. Like Andrew said, faith is that building is going to hold up. That's trust. When I go over this, I'm trusting that this is going to stay in place. It's going to function as intended, which is to get me from one side to the next. And so when you have your promises, or the things that you know in your spirit. And we talking about things that not things you said you wanted to do with your life, but the things you know in deep reflection that you're supposed to do with your life. And um, I like what you said. Sometimes we get stuck into the place where you're questioning, you know, what am I supposed to do? And a lot a good strategy is if you take the tip of writing things down, then you really get to see, you can visualize, you can physically see what you want to do with your life. And then you'll be able to see, well, what areas really excite me? What areas really jump in my spirit to where I know that this is something I want to do. And it doesn't mean that everything that you're supposed to do, you're going to be good at. 
Yeah. No, absolutely. There's a couple things that you can see. I'm taking notes as you talk because there's some things that you say that are really uh, that are really profound. Uh, one of the things that um, it, that that you said about uh, questioning, you know, is this the right thing? The one thing that I found if, that if you you never question it when it's going good, you never doubt if it is the thing that you should be doing when it's going well. If you're called to it, it will go well, even when it doesn't look well, because it's what your purpose is. So you have to stop getting in a place to where everything, everything time it goes down, you think it's not right. I do. I do a lot with this with guys and when they're struggling in relationship, you know, I think I married the wrong woman or, you know, she ain't the one for me. But you don't. You didn't say that at the at the honeymoon. You didn't say it when you were celebrating anniversary or you went on a trip. So you can't look at just the idea that it's supposed to be good all the time. There are some valleys and peaks that you have to go through in order to truly be successful. Uh, one of the things that uh, a big analogy I saw was um, uh, I think it was on Facebook. You know, you see the duck swimming in the water but you don't see the paddling and the panic and the stuff that's going on underneath. And I think that's the same thing we have to do when we look at goal setting. It is, you know, everybody that looks at, at, at Shantae say, Hey, she's, she's successful. She's doing great, but they don't see the, the franticness, the panic, the wondering if people are going to show up, wondering if people are going to be on time. They don't get to see all the behind the scenes thing. It's just that you present a, a good looking product, and so now everybody wants to be like that. And so I think that's the key. And the other thing is uh, in the process is surrounding yourself with the right people. You know, there's some things that I'm not good at. I know I'm not good at. So I'm not trying to do those things. I'm trying to get somebody in place that can help me in those areas so that I can focus on doing the thing that I do the best. Oh man, that was really good. Um, wow, I was taking notes too. <laughs> and I love what you said. You said what people don't see. And that that took me straight back to kind of where I was um at the in building my first business. Um, people didn't see that when when I had that really tight mindset that, you know, I didn't, I wasn't playing the game for the long haul. I, I really wasn't. I thought I was, you know, because you have a business and you see some success. You think you're doing things that you're not doing. And it only takes um, true experience to be able to look back and say, you know what, what was I doing? What was I thinking? <laughs> like what in the world? But people didn't see that when I was doing the business the first time, I really was worried if people were going to show up. Oh my gosh. Now my husband was great. He would always say one thing that I really uh, took and is set with me was whoever shows up are the people that need to be there. Those are the people that you make happy. And when I say make happy, meaning being hospitable, you know, making sure they were comfortable, making sure they had a good time because I can't worry about everybody else. So I had to learn how to kind of just be be in control of the things that I can actually control. And people didn't see that my when I would go and get ready for these events, my hair would be falling out. I got to one event we had. It was nice. And I know my dad is probably going to he probably going <laughs> to I'm probably going to get fussed at after this. But we had a, a yacht and I chartered a yacht. Oh, man, we had a yacht dinner party. It was nice. y'all. It was nice. But let me tell y'all a whole week. Leading up to that, combing my hair, getting ready in the morning, it was falling out by the hand of fools. Why? Because I didn't understand the concept of business budgeting. I didn't understand the fact that, and I'm going to say this again, I'm probably going to upset some folks, but you really do get what you pay for when you're doing it the right way. When you're in business the right way, people get the products that they pay for. Now, there are some times where you may offer something free. Of course, 
that whatever you're giving them was not free. I always say it costs somebody. It costs some, somebody had to buy it or somebody had to go to the experience in order to be able to share with you for free. So it's not, you know, but when you're really in it and you're trying to be profitable, then you really have to be able to budget. Even in a business, we talk about budgeting in your life and making grocery lists and all this stuff, but you really have to make a business list. What are your products? How much does it cost to, you know, what is your overhead? What is, what is inventory cost? Do you need equipment for these? Do you need to hire someone? So back then, people didn't see the fact that I was just utterly stressed out because I was just operating all backwards. So I love what you said about people not seeing. I mean, have you ever come to that place where you say, you know what? I really have to pivot in the what I'm doing. The why stays the same, but the but the action of it may have to change. Yeah, I think that's a part of the growth process because the the what you see in the beginning is not always the way it's supposed to be. You know, I got it mapped out, but the map just doesn't really always work. Sometimes there's detours and <laughs> sometimes there, you know, uh, you know, maybe there's, um, you know, illness or whatever. There's a lot of different factors that that you can't see in the beginning that are going to step up in the process. And so being able to shift uh, what it does is it allows you to still stay on track, you know, so even in your planning process, uh, there's, um, I guess, places for for that opportunity for error, those opportunities for for people to fall off. You know, the one thing that that I had to keep in mind that really helped me uh, get to a better place is that everybody everybody doesn't have the same passion that I have for what I do. And so since everybody doesn't have that same passion, they don't have the same level of commitment. They don't have the same level of desire. They don't have the same level of you know, financial support, you know, so they don't have all of that that I have. So then I have to realize that this is my vision. This is my dream. This is my purpose. And I just have to try to get the right people around me that will share in that. And, and, and sometimes you don't. And sometimes those people fall off by the wayside. So now making those adjustments or those reasons to uh, get get around what it is that you need to, whatever obstacle you need to, will allow you to still be able to focus on your vision. And I think having a, you know, the biggest thing you was talking about budget, I think the educational component of business is what's missing. You know, nobody's telling us how to how to budget. Nobody's telling us how to market. Nobody's tell, you know, <laughs> you know, I made a few people upset about this. Last month, you know, people talking about the six hundred dollar check, right? Get your six hundred dollar check, go get an LLC, start a business. Well, yeah, you know that sounds good, but if I'm gonna start a business with one hundred and fifty dollars, I gotta be able to now. I gotta have, I gotta get product. You know, I gotta be able. I need somebody to teach me what to do in the business. It's not as simple as just me saying, "Oh, I got an LLC now. I got a business." You know, there's an educational component that's missing, and so then if I want to get the proper training, I got to pay somebody. Nobody's giving free training for, you know what I'm saying? And so I think, I think the educational component is very important in this. And, and we got to get to a place where we're investing in ourselves so that we can make the right decisions and we can, can be successful. Right. I love that because in business, you're right. There is an educational component that is definitely key and you, you will get, you will be educated either through failure, rough experiences, and then success. Success can teach us, okay, it's, success says this worked, that strategy worked. But the pitfall with that is not every success will always continue to be a success. What may work in one season may not work in another season. What may have been a solution, you say, okay, well, I, this, I, I spent $1,000 in promotion last year, then I'm going to, my budget is only going to be $1,000 in this year. And it might be more or less. And I love what you said. I'm going to get back to my notes because I'm going to take notes too. Shout out to Anthony Thomas and Josephina Thomas. Uh, anytime I say I take notes, I shout them out. Kingdom Talk 
because they were on the show. And that is what they call me, the note taker. <laughs> planning for error and planning for learning. When we're creating a plan for our lives, whether it's a relational plan, people like uh, write down the kind of relationship you want. You also need to, in all of that planning, uh, write down your business vision, your, write down your goals. Um, in all of that planning, you need to leave room. I love what you said. You need to plan for error because even the best laid plans are going to have some places that just don't, it's it just not going to add up at the end of the, you know what I mean? I could use all of these nice little, it could be so eloquent, but at the end of the day, it ain't going to work. It just, just ain't. So, but when you don't plan for that, then you're thinking, oh my God, I'm such a failure. Or this is not going to ever be successful when really you're still playing that finite game. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things, one of the things with me and my wife, like I'm a time person. I hate to be late. We're not going to be late. I don't care. So if we got dinner at the Galleria at seven o'clock, I know it takes me 27 minutes to get to the Galleria. And so I'm going to (laughs) leave 27 minutes prior to now I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated if I get there at 701, even though it's just dinner, you know, it's nothing major, you know, it is because time, time is so vitally important to me. It's such a, it's such a respect factor for me. And so now I got to drive faster to get there in my 27 minutes instead of me stepping back and saying, okay, I can leave seven minutes earlier and just get there a little bit earlier. And so I think, once we start planning for those those alternative routes or those those different obstacles, then we still get to our desired place. We just get there from a different route. And I think that's what we have to really uh, incorporate in our in our planning. I love it. You're still going to get there. It, it just may take you a little longer. And I'm like that on time, too. I'm I'm really big on time when I and I try to uphold that. And what has gotten me with this whole thing, because I know this is something we're all dealing with, is technology. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, y'all, it's just, I have to readjust my mindset, my attitude, because technology can be a big barrier. So when you're doing, uh, when you're saying, oh, I'm gonna get my LLC and all this stuff, I, I like what you said. It, it might not, you know, you, how can I say it? You might not need it as soon as you think you need it, right? Before you pay that $600 or whatever that fee is, really make sure that this is a business that is real, like a realistic business. Some of us have very big business goals and it's not because it's not going to happen, right? It's going to happen, but you have to be able to make sure that whatever you start, you not only can really follow through with it, but you can have the character because we don't talk a lot about character either when it comes to business and especially relationships. Whenever you hear words like communication, character, trust, you naturally think just like one-on-one personal relationships. But that comes to when it comes to goals and partnering and networking, I have to be, I have to trust that you're a dependable person. If I'm going to network with you, if I'm going to partner with you in something, I have to be be able to communicate. What do I actually need from this business relationship? Or um, if it's a, a platonic relationship, what are my actual needs? So communication is key too. And, um, you know, you have to also plan for learning because it, no one knows it all. Even if we both, I think Andrew and I could both think of a very successful person that we actually know. And you've already named your friend. I have a friend too in the medical health and wellness field. She's a surgeon. I She's the only person that I know that at, Four knew she was gonna be a doctor. Right. She, I'm gonna be a doctor her whole life. And guess what she is now? She is one of not only a doctor, but she is a leading doctor. And that was my next point: was not not it's not just about having the LLC or being in the relationship. It's really about doing life with an excellent mindset. When when you want to operate in excellency. 
um, I can get a million things started, but that really doesn't mean that I'm going to really make that thing a good thing. I'm going to invest the hours that it takes. You know, there are times where there are temporary seasons. When we get to seasons where maybe something ended that you wish would have continued. And then there are some seasons we talked about earlier where things were successful and they're not successful. But here's the thing. And this is what I really want to talk about because we're talking about gold digger series, right? Talk about gold digging, getting in that, getting to the end, the root of it. We we can talk all day about failure and past mistakes and you know disappointments because we've all been there. But I don't think we talk enough about what re- success really is. When you get to that season where everything really does blow up and the actual work now that things have actually blown up. Um, Andrew, where have you seen people kind of lose touch with success and the work that is now required on that level of success? Well, I think because the the primary thing is that we have uh, so many different definitions of success, right? Success looks different to different people. And so many times when we have arrived, I'll use that word, we've arrived and we've, we've I like been- that. We've been through the struggle and what we feel like is a good product. Many times what we fail to do is let people know the truth. Right. So let's say, for instance, you know, uh, a gentleman makes two hundred thousand dollars a year. Right. So he's telling, hey, you know, I make two hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, I, I have an insurance company and I'm successful. Right. But. He didn't go back and tell people, you know, hey, you know, when I first started, you know, I had one client that sustained me and then I got his family. And so we we forget to put that part in for people when we've arrived. The other thing is, is when we are trying to arrive, we don't really have a mentorship available to teach us how to arrive. So if I got there, I need somebody to show me as I'm coming up, how to get there. And I think we miss, I, I think we miss on both of those. I agree. Um, because I, I love, I heard a pastor say, you know, you plant this field. And I think anything in life that we are um, striving to get to, whether it's a goal or relationship status or financial bracket, whatever your goal is, it's like um, being a farmer and you have all of these seeds and your seeds are the things you see for yourself. You know, the vision, the, you know, I'm going to be a successful entrepreneur or I'm going to be, you know, a wife or a mother. All of these seeds that we're sprinkling into, you know, the path of our lives. And then you take the time, the process. That's what we, you know, you normally hear referred to as the process is the time in between you planting those seeds, making that decision, making your uh, vision or your goal very plain. That first step and the actual, like Andrew said, the arrival, right? In the middle part, that's the process. And we think, oh my God, I don't see that marriage springing out. You know, my dating pool is murky. The waters are murky. (laughs) I'm sorry, y'all. So I had a friend say, you dipping in the wrong stream. (laughs) That was the funniest thing. Okay. But for real, y'all, it's like you say, you know, it's your day. It's, you know, I can't find anybody to date. Or again, we're, you know, people asking me how many views I have before they partner with me. They don't feel like I really have the reach to work with me. Or I don't have the money or the finances to really do what or the knowledge. So you you thinking because you don't see those things springing up, you don't see the relationship, you don't see the clients, you don't see the Fortune 500 status, you don't see these things, you know, popping up. That doesn't mean they aren't maturing. It doesn't mean that the process isn't beneficial. Like Andrew said. It is things people don't see. And sometimes we the people. We don't see the things that's happening underground, the things, the roots, because I don't care how beautiful a thing is or how successful a thing is. If the roots ain't deep, it ain't going to last. 
Um, yeah. So you're talking about planning and, and I think it's a great analogy. I think the thing, you know, you talked about the seeds. The, the key to remember is, is that the life of the fruit is in the seed. Many times what we're doing is we're looking at the fruit and the purpose for the fruit, but we're not looking at whether where the life of it is. So it's in those planning stages where we get to a place where we can see the fruition of what it is. So if I'm planting corn, you know, I might have to throw thousand seeds to get 10 stalks. The goal is to have that corn on the cob. And once I got the corn on the cob, then now I need to decipher what it is that I'm needing to do with the corn on cob. Am I using it for feed for my hogs? Am I using it to sell to the grocery store? Am I using it to feed my own family? And so I think that's where we really start looking at the success is once we've got the finished product, how can we make the finished product work for the rest of the community? And I think that's where we really have to just really uh, be focused and intentional. Well, I love that um, because what um, what I grow, I don't eat by myself. I don't grow just to eat. And, you know, y'all says about what you bring to the table, all this stuff, um, you know, I just feel like what, you know, what are you doing in the process? What are you watering that with? Are you watering it? And some of y'all watering it with tears because it, it it hurt and you learn and you fall and those failures can hurt, but they, they're there to teach you, you know, what didn't work. I mean, it's just a lesson. And you say, you know what, let me get back up. Let me keep on rowing. I don't see it this season, but I know that they're in the good thing about it. I had a pastor say, pastor say, there is a set time that God has. So I don't care what season you're in. There is a set time as long as you keep watering, doing what you need to do. If it's going back to school, if it's getting a skill, if it's um, forgiveness. We talked about forgiveness earlier today in another talk or uh, just being more open minded. Also, too, maybe partnering with somebody is doesn't speak your same language or in another culture, you know, so it's really being open minded. There is a time where that thing, if we do, if we're diligent, we're working in excellence, we're communicating, we're doing everything we just talked about today. There is a set time for that thing to be successful. Now, when um, we're talking about an analogy of farming, when the field is ready. Now you got to go get it. People like, I want my harvest. Harvest probably take more work than it does for planting. So as we come to the conclusion, I just want you to understand that success may not be that you get to sit back and relax. Success may mean you got to go even harder. So, Andrew, do you have any last parting words, anything you would use to encourage them since, you know, we're all trying to get there. We're gold digging. We're doing the work. What could you leave them with? The thing I would leave you with is don't give up. Right. And it doesn't it doesn't have to look the way that you want it to look. Just keep putting in the work. Stay dedicated to what you're doing. Stay committed to the process and it will work out if it's what you're called to uh, surround yourself with the right people, the right team. That's going to be vital until you growing it to what it needs to be. Um, and. And keep the faith. You know, the final thing is keep the faith. And remember that the faith is not about what you see today. It's about what you've been called to in the future. And so those will be the things that I will really say that to really kind of glean on from, from this time forward. Well, I've really enjoyed having you on the show. Real quick, can you give everybody your website where they can go and connect with you? Wheremenhurt.org is the website. Uh, all, all my social medias are Where Men Hurt. So just look us up. Uh, it's open to all men. So, you know, come on and join us. All right, y'all. Well, I will talk to you, uh, you guys again. Let's talk Life Excel. Remember, we're talking when life gets big, when it is extra large. So you can find me on mixtalkmedia.org. You can even catch some of the replays because we're on Spotify. You can follow, follow us on Spotify. It's Mixed Talk Radio on Spotify. You can catch all of the shows if you need to catch a replay. If not, tune in with me again next Saturday, 1 o'clock Central Standard Time. Bye, y'all.